Lord, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you again for bringing us here, God. Thank you for worship. Thank you for you, Lord. Thank you for being our Lord and our God, our refuge and strength. Thank you for hiding us, Lord, under the shelter of your wings and that today, God, we can come to you and spend this time with you. I pray, Lord, that you would bless your word. I pray, God, that you'd speak to us. And even as we go over this topic on giving, that you would move upon our hearts, Lord. And I pray that either way, through the worship, through this message, God, through a prayer, through our fellowship, Lord, that no one would leave here without knowing you in a deeper way, Jesus. And that no one would leave here without getting a word from you, Lord, through your Holy Spirit. So we ask for your anointing right now and your touch. And we ask this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Well, I read about the owner of a fitness center. And he had offered $1,000 to anyone who could prove they were stronger than he was. He was a pretty buff workout kind of guy. So what he would do, he would take this lemon and with both hands squeeze the lemon dry. And then challenge anyone to squeeze just one more drop to win the money. Well, many strong people tried, but nobody could do it. And they came from all walks of life, too. Professional bodybuilders, daily kind of weightlifter guys, big firemen and buff construction workers. But nobody could do it. Then one day, walking into this fitness center, a puny little guy came in to try. He walked up to the guy, and after all the laughter died down, the owner grabbed the lemon, squeezed it dry. Then he handed this wrinkled skin to this little man. Well, then this little man took the lemon, and suddenly the whole center became dead quiet as this little man squeezed one drop from the wrinkled lemon into the glass. Then to the astonishment of everyone there, another drop fell. And then another drop fell until there were like six drops that fell into this cup, into this glass. Well, the crowd cheered loudly as the owner held up the cup. He handed the envelope of prize money to the little man and said, Wow, I can't believe you did it. Here's your $1,000. Now, let me just ask you, where did you come from? I mean, what do you do for a living? The little man quietly replied, I work for the IRS. (laughs) They could squeeze, yeah, anyway. Well, some believers are like that lemon with their money. It's hard for God to motivate them to even give one drop. But that's not the way it's supposed to be. That's not the norm for believers. As Warren Wiersbe writes, it seems strange that we Christians need encouragement to give when God has given so much. And I think about that, right? So much grace. God has given us so much to us undeserving people. Shouldn't we give back even some of that grace? Well, as we continue our study in the book of 2 Corinthians, Paul encourages the Corinthian believers to remember their commitment to help the struggling church in Jerusalem. So Paul motivates them. Paul helps them. You've got to give your support. So he motivates them with this idea that this is all giving with grace. And that's the title of our message. And it's actually the same title we had last week because we're going on to part two. 
Last week we looked at 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And now as we move on to chapter 9 in 2 Corinthians, uh, we see giving with grace part 2. He's going to continue on. Now last time in part 1, this was our outline, and this was our points, and this is what he covered. Last time in chapter 8, we saw give unselfishly. Number two, give wholeheartedly. Number three, give sacrificially. Number four, give meaningfully. Number five, give trustingly. If you missed that last week, grab the CD so you can kind of get an idea of what we had covered. Well, so as we continue on here in chapter 9, we find these things now, five more things, and this is our outline. Number six, as we go on, give preparedly. Number seven, give generously. Number eight, give cheerfully. Number nine, give confidently. And number ten, give appreciatively. Now, before we get into our passage, as I mentioned last week, uh, if you're new here or maybe this is your first time here at our church, uh, I, I, I don't get this feeling like, oh no, here we go again, you know. Martha, here we go, just like that other church, they're talking about money again. Well, if you've been here a while, you know, I, I'm not about that. Even last week and this week, this is a little more difficult for me to, to share with you. Uh, and once in a while, yeah, we ask for help. You know, we keep it low-key. We, we had an offering just now, just a simple prayer. But, but even today, it's not like we're having some special collection and i got to give you this message here for that. No, it just happened that if you're here for the first time, that you came when we are in this section in 2 Corinthians. Now, we study through books, and we're in 2 Corinthians. We study chapter by chapter, verse by verse, getting to know the Word of God, and you just happen to come where we are in chapter 8 and chapter 9 now. But as we study this verse, may the Lord encourage us and speak to us, because I believe this is something, as we happen to be here in this chapter, that the Holy Spirit wants us to learn. Okay, let's begin here. Number six in our outline, give preparedly. Give preparedly. Number six in our outline, give preparedly. Take a look with me here now, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 1. It reads, Now concerning the ministering to the saints, it is super, superfluous for me to write to you. For I know your willingness about which I boast of you to the Macedonians that Achaia was ready a year ago, and your zeal has stirred up the majority. Now, we'll stop right there. We begin with the Apostle Paul, who wrote this book. He's writing now here to the Corinthian believers. He's saying, now concerning this ministering to the saints. In other words, he's saying, you know about this ministry of giving help, this, this, this support that we want to give to the saints. And we understand what we learned last week is the believers in Jerusalem. And so he says, it is superfluous, or I can't say that word, but you get it. He's saying, or really, it's not necessary for me to write about this. I mean, you guys know what I'm talking about. That's what he's saying here. Then in first, verse four, 2, he says, For I know your willingness. I know how eager you are to give, to give your support to these Jerusalem saints. So much so, Paul says in verse 2, I boast about you guys to the Macedonians. The, the, the Macedonians are those churches in northern Greece. I tell them all about your heart to give and your support. And then verse 2, he says that Achaia, which is 
actually the province of Corinth. So it's, it's another way of saying that you guys, you Corinthian believers, you were even ready a year ago to give. And, and that zeal, your eagerness, that zeal that you have to give has stirred up the majority. In other words, it's stirred up the Macedonian churches over there. Most of the churches over there are excited because of you. So Paul reminds the Corinthian believers how their eagerness had stirred up the Macedonian believers to give. Now last time we learned, didn't we, that the Jerusalem church fell on hard times financially. Persecution, there was a famine in the land. And so Paul called on all the Christian churches in the area to join in with others to support the believers there in Jerusalem. Which is what we studied when we were back in 1 Corinthians chapter 16. We found that out. Well, here in these two chapters, chapter 8 and chapter 9, Paul reminds the Corinthian believers of what they had started out to do, but they never fully completed. So Paul's kind of stirring them up again. Paul's reminding them again. And we we saw last week how Paul shared that, hey, you know, even the poor Macedonian churches, they had already given what they could and even more, if you remember that. So Paul here is going on saying, hey, you guys, your eagerness to give inspired these, these Macedonians who actually already gave. But here's the thing, the inspires hadn't really given yet. Verse 3, he goes on and says, Yet I have sent the brethren, lest our boasting of you should be in vain in this respect, that as I said, you may be ready. Verse 4, lest if some Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, we, not to mention you, should be ashamed of this confident boasting. So Paul's thought is this in verse 3. It's, so I've sent the brethren, and, and we saw that last week. It was Titus and their two other brothers, unnamed. They're coming to Corinth to, to gather up this off, offering, this collection, and bring it to those believers in Jerusalem. So Paul wants to make sure that his boasting about the Corinthians wouldn't turn out in vain, or that word means empty. So he writes this and sends these guys so they may be ready. In other words, they may get ready with the giving and take it over to Macedonians. And then Paul says in verse 4, it's like, well, if some of the Macedonians, if they even come to visit, you know, imagine how you will feel so ashamed when they find you're unprepared with the gift, like you have nothing to give. Paul, this is the idea here. Paul is saying, hey, make sure you make plans and you're well prepared ahead of time when they come. And how about that, being prepared? How about that? How about doing something about it? I, th- I was thinking about procrastination, right? It's been said, procrastination says tomorrow, but whispers never. Or it says one of these days always becomes none of these days, right? It's easy to put things off. So Paul's trying to motivate them not to procrastinate, but to move on it, to do this now, especially with the guys that are coming. Then in verse 5, he says, Therefore, I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren, to go to you ahead of time and prepare your generous gift beforehand, which you had previously promised that it may be ready as a matter of generosity and not as grudging obligation. 
All right, what's he saying here? Well, he says, therefore. Okay, since Paul wanted to save them from that embarrassment, he sent Titus and the other guys ahead so they can prepare and to make sure the promised gift was ready. They just, you know, they, the Corinthians wanted to do this, so he's sending the guys to make sure it's all taken care of. This way, when time comes, when it's time to, to take that collection, when it's time to, to bring it up and to gather it all together, it's not being given as some grudging obligation. What is that? Some forced duty. In other words, Paul doesn't want them to feel pressured to give just because when he gets there, that he is, he's there. He doesn't want them to give because, oh no, here's Paul. Who? Hurry up. You better do what we said. But Paul wants them to decide what to give beforehand, ahead of time. You know why? He wants it from their heart. He wants them to give from their heart. Now, this whole idea of, of beforehand, this whole idea of preparation, it's also seen in a few verses ahead. Take a look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7 now. Look ahead a little bit. Paul writes at the very beginning, and we're going we're gonna to get to the rest of this, but for now, it, it relates to what we're talking about. Verse 7, it says, So let each one give as he purposes in his heart. Now, the word purposes here in the original language means choose beforehand. Interesting, right? So Paul wants them to decide from their heart, choose beforehand, whatever's in your heart, what to give without any external pressure, with any forced, grudgingly obligation at all. So here's what Paul is saying. Give preparedly which is to pray and make determined decisions ahead of time on what to give. That's what his point is here. He's saying, guys, look, look, this is what he's writing to the Corinthian believers. Give preparedly, which is to pray and make determined decisions ahead of time on what to give. We need to give prepared. We need to think about it. Paul's like, hey, don't, don't be pressured at all. You know, think about what you want to do before that time comes. Have you ever felt that pressure, like when you're at a restaurant? You know, like maybe it's an unfamiliar one. And when we were in Texas, we, we were, uh, the pastor over there took us out to eat. And you go to some of these restaurants, and there's this menu, right? And there's this menu. And you keep going through this menu, right? It, it's like, whoa, I, I don't know. What do you pick? What do you, what do you, you, you know, what do you suggest? And you ask the waiter, and you ask, whoa, what's, what is it? And you're still going on. And I don't know, sometimes I'm like, Oh, oh, and then, you know, the, the, the waiter, waitress comes by like, oh, are you ready to order? No, 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 order, ready, you know, give, give me a few minutes. And then, you know, they come back in a few minutes, you're still not ready, and all of a sudden I feel pressured. And I feel like, oh, come, you know what, come to me last. So they go all around the table, and you're, you're like, oh, the, the, the clock is ticking, you know, and everything, oh, I don't, I don't know, you still don't know. And you're like, oh, I'll just have that. And, and so you order that. And then when the food comes, you look at your plate, and like, oh, okay. But then you look at what your wife ordered, and you go, I should have ordered that. <laughs> and then I say to my wife, hey, you want to share? <laughs> and then you eat all of her stuff. No. <laughs> right? Pressure, right? Or how about, you know, when you're on your way to eat, maybe at one of your favorite restaurants. I don't know about you. Driving down the mountain, driving down here, going into town, thinking, I already know what I'm going to order, right? 
I already know the menu because we go there, right? I already know, you know, I'm, no pressure. I, I got waitress comes, hey, you ready to order? Yeah, I'm ready. Well, I'm not ready. Well, too bad. I'm ready, you know, kind of thing, right? You're excited. You already know. You, you, you know, it's in your heart beforehand. Well, this is what Paul's talking about here. He doesn't want the Corinthian believers pressured at all. So, hey, you know, when you give, give preparedly. Pray about it. Make a plan. Make a determined decision ahead of time of what you're going to give. Paul doesn't want them pressured at all when he comes to receive the offering at all. Now, take note, there are unexpected times when the Spirit speaks to you about giving on the spot, and that's the Holy Spirit. But for the most part, we should pray and seek the leading of the Spirit ahead of time. How about you? Do you feel stressed when the bag is being passed around? Like, oh, I don't know. Uh, uh, how much should I put in? Oh, I, you're looking in your wallet. Or, I don't know. Or you're trying to write the check really fast, you know, oh, you know, kind of thing. Or maybe you start to think, well, uh, maybe, oh, this check, oh, maybe it's too much I'm putting in there, you know, with that check you wrote. Maybe I should keep some back for my bills. Or perhaps you start worrying, worrying like, oh, you take out some bills and you put it in the, in the bag and you're like, oh, Lord. Maybe that was too little. Hold on, you still feel this pressure and you start thinking, God, are you pleased with me? Oh, maybe, maybe I'm not, I'm going to have a bad week because I didn't give enough. You know what Paul is saying? All this to keep from all this feelings of pressure of giving and all that grudgingly obligation because we should be praying ahead and planning ahead before the bag is even past and of course it helps us who procrastinate right you know what the cure for that is plan ahead pray ahead give preparedly pray and make a determined decision ahead of time on what to give and come with that well let's move on here to number seven give generously give generously Giving with grace means to number six, give preparedly, as we go on in our outline from last week. And now number seven, give generously. Second Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. But this I say, verse 6, this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. All right, Paul now comes and states this basic principle. If a farmer, this is the idea, sows sparingly, like, you know, skimply with his seeds, he will also what? Reap sparingly. It's going to be a tiny harvest, right? But the farmer who sows bountifully, which the NLT translates this word generously, he will reap bountifully. He will reap this generous crop. It will be this abundant harvest. Real simple picture here. So Paul's saying, hey, the idea is the amount you give out will be, the pro- will be in proportion to the blessings return. That's something like Proverbs eleven twenty four says, there is one who scatters, yet increases more. And there is one who withholds more than is right, but it leads to poverty. So it's like an investment, yeah? You invest, you put into a good investment, and the more you put in, the more the return is going to be. Now, let's think, I want to put something in your mind for a moment that this verse has been hugely abused. I want to say that, especially by many uh, TV evangelists that are there. Like you'll hear them, 
Well, if you sow your seed money and give to this ministry, your return will be a hundredfold. Or many times they'll quote, which actually goes along with this, what Paul is saying in Ecclesiastes 11.1, 1, cast your bread upon the water and it will return to you. Multiply. And then, well, you see testimonies. You know, people, well, I sold $100. And the next day, this envelope came in. There was $1,000 inside. And then they show pictures of this fancy big house, yeah? A brand new car, even a boat, right? So you get this feeling like, wow, you know what they're saying? I can be wealthy if I cast my money, if I sold some money and give right now. God's going to return to me all this wealth financially. Now, I'm not saying that God can't bless you financially. I'm not saying that there are godly Christians out there that God did multiply their their money, their wealth, and, and they're very wealthy. But is this what Paul is really saying? Hey, sow your seed so you can be rich and wealthy? No, I, I don't think so. Because if you think about it biblically, that kind of approach is very carnal. That's what I call it. Very worldly. I mean, if you think about it, this is this is a marketing appeal. It appeals to our fleshly tendencies of covetousness which is a sin. It creates this motive in your giving that is focused on you, right? Oh, if I give, then I will become wealthy. Or I will be able to live that good life. I will be prosperous. But this is actually one of the false doctrines that really are, are out there right now called the prosperity gospel. In a basic sense, it entices your sinful flesh. I think about what Jesus said in Matthew 6.20, lay up for yourself treasures where? In heaven. That's the focus. In heaven. Not on earth where neither moth nor rust destroys. That's what Jesus says. Plus, we know in Philippians 4.19, right? Paul says, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Paul didn't write, my God shall supply all your greed. It was your need. Again, I'm not saying God can't bless an individual with wealth. And, and I, I, I could bring so many stories and we could be here so, an hour of, of so many business owners who gave and gave and God blessed their business. And they, these stores, these franchises became huge. God blessed that. I'm not saying, you know, God can't do that. But the focus, the focus is on the heart and what's in the heart. Paul's talking about giving generously. That's the idea. God, God is blessed, right? When we give generously, that's what he's saying here in this verse. And he's so blessed that he gives back generously to you. Giving with grace means you just give because you want to be generous, not to get something back. And when you give in that way, that kind of giving blesses God. And he loves that. So you know what? He loves to bless you back. Matter of fact, what's interesting, the Greek word here, bountifully that you see here, you know, literally it is blessing. So you want to bless someone, right? That's your heart. You don't just give because I want to get. Yeah. No, you're just giving. It's giving with grace. You're just giving. It's just in your heart to give. Whatever the Lord may want to 
give back in return. But what you return is you give a blessing, God gives a blessing back in return. And let me tell you, it's not necessarily in a monetary way. And we're not, it's not necessarily money, right? Blessings could be many things, right? Not just money, it could be many other things. Maybe you're not as sick as often, so you don't have to pay as much doctor bills. Maybe your car doesn't break down as much, so you don't have to pay this me- mechanic. Maybe there's less of those, you know, those surprise kind of bills, like, oh, no, oh, I wasn't planning on this, oh, you know, maybe. I think, I think, you know, the biggest blessing for me, is sometimes, you know, things happen in a month, and, you know, and it's like there's a hole in my pocket, yeah? Money comes in and goes right out, right? Things just happen. Look, the blessings in return can be monetary. It can be material. It could be physical. But you know what? It could even be spiritual. Listen to what Chuck Swindoll wrote. When you give, God's rewards come in numerous ways, such as the joy of knowing your, obedient, your obedience, the pleasure of, of peace, knowing you've done His will, the confidence that comes knowing you squared your life with Scripture. And then he says, he who sows bountifully will have that kind of reaping. I like that. There's just that sense that, oh, God, we're right with you. We're doing your will. And I find pleasure in obeying your word. Just that alone. All right. Well, what's Paul saying here overall in this section? Give generously and God will bless you back in proportion to how much blessing you gave. Give generously and God will bless you back in proportion to how much blessing you gave. This same idea is is found in what Jesus said in Luke 6.38. And listen to this. He said, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will be put into your bosom or your lap. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. And I love what Jesus said. He's saying, give, and it will be, you know, given back to you. Good measure. In other words, God's not going to skimp here. He's going to give you a good amount back. It's going to be pressed down, and the idea is like this basket, and it's going to be pressed down so more grain can fit into this basket. It's going to be shaken together. You know, like how you shake something so it settles down more, and you could put more stuff in there? That's the idea. That's what God is going to do. Press down, shaking together, and even running over. The basket's going to be overflowing. The heart here is to give generously. And when you give generously, God is generous back. Do you give with this kind of heart? A generous heart? That's what God loves. You know why? Because that's his heart. That's what we see here. We give generously. Oh, he wants to give generously back, right? That's his heart. So shouldn't we have his heart? Or maybe you're a little pake, yeah, or stingy, right? In your giving. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's why you don't have much back. See, God will give to the generous heart more back because He knows that they will only give it out even more when God gives them, right? A generous farmer I read about was asked by his friends how he could not only afford but remain so proper, even though he always gave so much out. They asked, how does that work? You give way more than us farmers, but you seem to have 
more left over than us. The farmer said, well, that's easy to explain. See, the way I see it, I shovel into God's bin, and he keeps shoveling more and more into my bin. And mine fills up faster because God has the bigger shovel. (laughs) I like that one. So God gives back generously to those who give out generously. Let's go on here to number eight. Give cheerfully. Give cheerfully. Giving with grace means to give preparedly, number six. Number seven, give generously. And now number eight in our overall outline, give cheerfully. Verse seven here, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. So Paul says when you give, let each one give. Right? It means that we give individually or we give as a couple or we're, you, you know, this, this personal thing or, or, or a couple or a family thing that we do before the Lord. And you are to give as he purposes in his heart. As we covered earlier, it means to choose beforehand. Uh, give preparedly, prayerfully, plan it out and have this predetermined amount ready. And then Paul says, don't give grudgingly. Now the word grudgingly there in the Greek is lupe. And it means sorrow or grief or pain. In other words, if it pains you to give, don't give. Don't give. God doesn't want that. Or, Paul says, don't give out of necessity. The NLT renders this in response to pressure. So just like what Paul was saying earlier, don't give if you're, if you're being coerced, you're made, maybe you're made to feel guilty, maybe you're being pushed or manipulated and pressured. Don't, don't give. Don't give. God doesn't want that. Basically, right, unhappy giving is not of God. Forced giving is not of God either. I heard of a Calvary Chapel in California where, you know, they have those little offering envelopes like we have in back. And, um, you know, if you give cash and it's there because if you want to, um, you know, we, uh, we keep a record. And by the way, I don't see any of that. I don't want to see any of that. The accountants do all that. And, you know, at the end of the year, they give you that, that tally of how much you contributed to so, so you can put it toward your taxes. But anyway, in the back of their church, they have those offering envelopes. And on the offering envelopes, they have a drawing of a guy with his arms folded and with this frowny face. And there's a red circle all around him and a line, a slash through him. And underneath the picture, it says, no grumpy givers. (laughs) I like that. I love that. But it's right here. It's biblical. It's exactly what God is saying here. But what does God want? What does He love? Verse 7 is a cheerful giver. Now, cheerful in the Greek is hilaros, which is where we get our English English word hilarious. Think about that in your mind now. (laughs) I love it. You know, kind of hilarious. That's the kind of giving. God loves a joyful, happy giver who counts it an honor, who from his heart wants to do this joyfully not grudgingly, not of necessity. So what God blesses is those who give, not because they have to, but because they want to. Someone said, if you give grudgingly, you'll be sad. If you give out of necessity, you'll be mad. But if you give as you purpose from your heart, you'll be glad. (laughs) I love that. So here Paul is saying this. 
Give cheerfully, which means to give whatever amount that is in your heart to give. Give cheerfully, which means whatever amount that's in your heart, that's what you give. A man decided to give his son-in-law a check for $5,000 on the day of the wedding of his daughter. Uh, he gave the son-in-law this check, and the bride's sister, he gave it, actually gave it to the bride's sister to give to the groom. So the bride's sister then gave the check to the groom, and later the father asked the sister, did you give him the check? Yes, replied the sister. Well, what did he say? Asked the father. Well, said the sister, he said nothing. But tears poured out of his eyes. And then the father kind of strangely asked, well, how long did he cry? The sister said, well, I don't know, maybe about a minute. What? cried the father. Only a minute? Why? I cried for an hour after I signed the check. <laughs> That's grudgingly, you guys. That's out of necessity. The father wasn't a cheerful giver, but a tearful giver, right? What kind of giver are you? cheerful or are you like that grump, grumpy giver right do you feel pressure to give well you know it's better that you don't give but if you want to give then give give whatever is on your heart whatever amount whatever you like now last week i left you guys we ended with a cliffhanger right as far as these questions like people have when are you supposed to give? Or how much are you supposed to give? Is it some percentage that you give every week like I heard about? Or is it okay? You know, I, I only give, you know, once a month or every six months. And what is that? What's that amount? Well, let me answer some of these questions here as we're on this verse. Let me answer this first question. When, question, when are you supposed to give? When are you supposed to give? Well, look at what Paul says here. The answer really is here with the verse. You give from your heart, so you give whenever you want. That's what it really is. There is no law, but the law would be to give from your heart. Give cheerfully. Well, I'll tell you something. You know what happens with believers who are walking with the Lord. When God blesses them, when we realize the grace that is given us even in our salvation... We don't want to hoard these blessings, but we really do want to give to God. So we find that in Scripture that it's good to give regularly. So when are you supposed to give? Well, give whenever you want. Yet believers will want to give regularly. That's the answer, really. As we studied in 1 Corinthians 16 and verse 2, uh, the first part of verse says, On the first day of the week, let each of you lay something aside the idea was have something ready to give on the first day of the week and what is the first day of the week sunday and what was that day that was the day that the christians met to worship the lord and that's why we meet on sunday now the verse speaks of giving in a regular way so when are you supposed to give oh whenever you want but you know what a, a good what good time would be give regularly whatever that means to you. Now, it's not saying that you should give every Sunday, but give preparedly. Think about it. Um, you know what I think? A, a good suggestion was when you get paid, set aside some amount to give before you start 
paying the bills, right? This is like in the New Testament, giving our first, or Old Testament, giving our first fruits, where Israel was to give first of the crop to honor the Lord first. It's always good to give off the top, not what you have left over. So pray and plan in your giving. Like if you get paid once a month, then give once a month. If you, if you, if you get paid every other week, then, then give every other week. If you get paid once a week and your heart is to give once a month, give once a month. Give whenever you want, as long it is what? Cheerfully, right? Give cheerfully. All right, the big question, the second question here, and this is a big one, how much are you supposed to give? Rick, Pastor Rick, what, what am I supposed to do? I, I want to give. It's in my heart. It's burning in my heart. I, I really want to give. Well, how much? Well, what's the answer according to the text here in verse 7? Any amount you want right? Give cheerfully whatever amount you want. Give whatever is on your heart to give. Whatever. Listen, after the cross in the New Testament, there is no law about what, what you're supposed to give. There's, and we're no longer under the law of the Old Testament after the cross. God, he tells us, just give from your heart. That's what's important. Give cheerfully whatever that amount you want to give. A little girl was given a dollar bill and 50 cents for the offering. The mother told her, you give whatever you want. As she was testing her. You give whatever you want, and, and the, re- the, the rest you keep. So she had a dollar bill and two quarters. Well, after church, the mother asked, well, what did you give? The little girl replied, well, pastor said give cheerfully. So I gave God the 50 cents because the dollar makes me feel cheerfully. <laughs> but it's okay if that's what you want that's what you want so then how much do you give whatever is on your heart but that really brings up this third question what about tithing what about that word tithe what aren't we supposed to give 10 percent? i mean i've always heard that that God wants Christians to give this percentage and he wants us to give 10 percent, and that's a tithe it's many pastors even preach this well let me tell you paul never once in his writings in the new testament used the word tithe not once it's nowhere in the new testament that we are commanded to tithe some say well jesus said it in matthew 23 3 But if you look at it, it was in context when he was rebuking the Pharisees for sticking to their Jewish law so hard, like tithing. But they were neglecting justice, mercy, faithfulness, love. It wasn't a teaching on tithing. He acknowledged it, yeah, because it's an Old Testament law and that's what they were following. But here's the thing. Tithe comes from the Old Testament law given to the Jews. And tithe means 10%. 10%. God had the Jews give 10% a tithe and, and actually more to support the ministry and their needs. There was actually a Levitical tithe to support the priests, the, the Levites, or the, all the priests and those who ministered in the temple. There was also not only a Levite tithe, a Levitical tithe, there was a festival tithe. You give 10% to fund the Jewish fee, feasts and celebrations that they had annually throughout the year. There was also a poor tithe. That is, every three years you give 10% to the needy. 
So if you want to pull that out, that's what, 3.33% a year. And there was a temple tax your Jews were required according to the law to give. And that was 2% every year. Now, if you kind of total it all, the average Jew was paying more like 25% in their giving. And not only that, on top of it all, there was a, what they called a free will offering. And so on top of that 25%, God required and wanted the Jews if, you know, to give whatever you like, right? So think about this. If you really want to be technical, in the Old Testament, the giving was more like 25% plus, yeah? Maybe 30%, 25 to 30%, depending on what your free will giving is. So if you want to get technical here, and you want to be like what the Old Testament says, it's more than 10%. But in the New Testament, it's not about we have to give this percentage. We have to give a dollar amount. It's about whatever you want to give. It's about whatever's on your heart. But that's also, if you want to give 10%, great. Then give it cheerfully. There's, I'm not saying that there's something wrong with it. I'm just saying, if that's one you get, want to give, and that's from your heart, then give that. Give it cheerfully. I tell people this, too, when they say, well, I don't know what to give. Well, if you want a starting place, then you know what? Start with 10%. I think that's a great amount. I think it, it, it's a good amount to be able to give sacrificially because 10% for some of us is a lot, right? But it's a great way to show God, Lord, I want to bless you. I want to, I want to give back to you. But if it's in your heart to start at 5%, that's fine. If it's 1%, I'm not going to judge you. Maybe someone else will over here. No, I'm just joking. But, but no, it doesn't matter. You know what? There have been people who started with 10, and as God increased their funds, they increased their giving. And, and there, there's those who, uh, uh, who have, who have um, gone all the way up to even giving 95% of their income. That was in their heart. Just pray and plan and give cheerfully. But don't think there's some law that you've got to please God with. You know what? How you please God? Just give generously from your heart. The other day, uh, we had breakfast with this young pastor from the Philippines. Great guy. I was so inspired by him. He, he's, he's Hapa. His mother was a missionary there, married Filipino. He grew up there, knows the language. But his ministry is to go out into the mountain villages in the north, northern part of the Philippines and, and to, to plant churches, to witness to people. Just awesome guy. Well, he told us the story of this lady who uh, would walk for miles, I believe, uh, to go to church in this certain village, and that was the only church around. Well, she walked for miles, and then after, after church, the pastor would give her money, bus money, to be able to get back home so she wouldn't have to walk. But you know what? She walked home intentionally. You know why? Because the next week, she walked to church and put that <laughs> in an offering. Isn't that awesome? Well, then the pastor would give her more money, not knowing, and, and then she, for a bus, return home, and she'd walk home, and then next week, she would just bring that money and put in an offering. Isn't that awesome? This kept repeating and repeating, he was telling us. Was it wrong? No. You know what? She wanted to give whatever she had to the Lord. She gave from her heart, and I assume this, this was 
knowing the, the, what, what it is like over there, this was probably 100% of what she had. So let's give cheerfully. Let's go on to number nine here quickly. We have two more headings here, but number nine is give confidently. Give confidently. Giving with grace means to, number six today, give preparedly. Number seven, give generously. Number eight, give cheerfully. And now number nine, give confidently. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always having all sufficiency on all things, may have an abundance for every good work. So Paul stated God is able. He has the ability. He has the power. He has the resources to make all grace abound. What's grace? That's that giving with grace. He has the ability to make it abound here. I like that. See, he says here, you will always, I like that, having all sufficiency in all things, God will always have everything you need. So much so that the cheerful giver will have such an abundance that they can continue to give to every good work that's out there. God, Paul is saying, is providing. When you give, he's providing that so you can give. Now, this is crazy because it's like, well, we give to bless, but then God blesses us back, but then God is the one who's giving us so we can bless again. That's the idea. Verse 9, as it is written, he dispersed abroad, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now, this is taken from Psalm 112.9. Paul quotes saying that God will basically continue to dis disperse abroad or give freely so to help the poor or anyone who is need. And this shows his righteous acts will be remembered forever. Verse 10. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Verse 11. While you are enriched in everything for all liberality, which causes thanksgiving through us to God. Uh, this is a little hard, a uh, little bit in the New King James, but Paul's saying that God... He supplies the seed basically to the farmer. He's bringing up that picture again. And then they make bread for food. Well, Paul's saying it's the same God that will supply and multiply your seed, so to speak, that you sow. So that God will increase the fruits, increase the gracious, generous giving that you do. And in verse 11, you will be enriched or you'll be blessed even more. You'll be provided for so you can continue in your liberality which is generosity, which causes those who receive the help, and he's saying through us as we give it up, uh, to give thanksgiving to God. The idea is don't think that your generous giving will drain God's supply. No, he's going to, he'll keep giving so you can keep giving. John Phillips wrote, we are called upon to draw on the bank of heaven. The resources of the universe are put at our disposal. We may think that in times of economic adversity, it would be a good idea to trim back our giving. However, Paul did not think so. God will take care of our needs, so we never need to back off from meeting the needs of others. I love that. God will continue to replenish the supply so you can keep in that cycle of giving and ministry. His supply will never run dry. So the point here is this. Give confidently, for God will replenish that supply so you will never run out of that grace.
right? We're giving with grace. We're giving because we want to bless someone. It's grace that we're giving. Grace we receive, grace we're giving now. So give confidently for God will replenish that supply so you'll, you will never run out of grace. Don't you love it when you go somewhere to eat and they have free refills, right? I mean, it's very common now and we're used to it, but there's certain places where it's not free and you've got to pay again. I'm like, what? Oh, man. And you've and you got to kind of, you know, uh, portion your, your Coke, how much you're going to drink, and I'm going to drink a little bit now. Because usually they bring it early and you go, drink up the whole thing, and then when your meal comes, well, no more, I need some more Coke. But free refills, ah, you know, have it, right? Well, that's what God is like. He keeps filling the glass to cheerful give, givers who keep giving it up. Is that your biggest fear? If I give, what if a need arises? What if I run out of money? What if all of a sudden those unexpected bills happen? What if God doesn't come through? Wait, wait. Think about that. Think about that phrase. Does that make sense? Will God not come through? No, of course he will. What does the psalm say? He has cattle on a thousand hills, right? God can that's what Paul is reassuring the Corinthians here. Give confidently. God's going to replenish that supply, so you know you'll never run out of that grace. Someone said, you get more than you give when you give more than you get. I like that. No worries then. All right, number 10, our, our last heading here, give appreciatively. Give appreciatively. Giving with grace means give preparedly, give generously, give cheerfully, give confidently. And in our last part of this chapter, give appreciatively. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 12. For the administration of this service not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also is abounding through many thanksgivings to God. While through the proof of this ministry, they glorify God for the obedience of your confession to the gospel of Christ and for your liberal sharing with them and all men and by their prayer for you who long for you because of the exceeding grace of God in you. Okay, so Paul says in this administration, verse 12, or this ministry of giving, uh, this service, which is this, another word for this holy work, Paul's saying giving is also this, this thing we do for the Lord. In this ministry, in this giving, in this service, this is a holy work to God. And it not only supplies the needs of the saints, but it also brings this abounding thanksgiving to God. In other words, when we give, it not only helps a person, but you know what? God begins to be appreciated and thanked and worshipped. So then in verse 13, this giving is a proof that you guys are true believers. What did I say earlier, right? As believers, we want to give. There's something in us as the Holy Spirit moves in us that, Lord, we want to give grace back to you. So it's a proof of you guys as true believers and that this is like your confession. This is like showing them that you are for Jesus Christ. This liberal sharing, liberal or gener generous sharing is what causes people to glorify God for your obedience and your giving. And then verse 14, that generous giving resulted in prayers for you guys. So now they think of you. They're praying for you. And so Paul's like, hey, look what you're giving his cause. Many to pray for you, many to thank God for you, many to thank the Lord himself and give him glory. And we can see, right, that this type of giving will be, 
will be powerful, right? I mean, think about our outline. Paul laid out in these two chapters how to give. Give unselfishly, give wholeheartedly, give sacrificially, give meaningfully, give trustingly, give preparedly, give generously, give cheerfully, give confidently, and now here, give appreciatively. When you give like this, people see it. And they not only thank God, but they give Him glory. Even in the way we give, how we give, can be powerful. It can be a powerful witness to others. What? You gave, but you don't have too much. Yeah, but this is for the Lord because He gave me much, right? That's powerful, right? It's powerful to people, especially even people who, who don't know the Lord. And maybe God puts on your heart to help them. It's powerful. Or even the other way around. You know, um, the same pastor told us that uh, someone gave him a car and that person wasn't even a believer, this Filipino pastor. That's powerful when you think of like this. So when you give like this, Paul's saying, hey, it it, it gives glory to God and and hope. You know, people give him thanks. And then he ends here in verse 15. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Paul ends with this thought on how powerful now it was with what God did, how God gave the greatest gift ever when he gave his son, that he was this giver of grace when he sent his only begotten son to the earth to die for our sins and make a way so that we can have eternal life. Paul's saying, thanks be to God that he gave that way. So we know how to give because this is our example, really, This is the ultimate gift. This is grace. We didn't earn it. We didn't work for it. Jesus is the gift. He is the indescribable gift. In other words, it's so incredible what Jesus did. It's a loss for words, and Paul breaks out and says, thanks be to God. How powerful is the gift of grace found in Jesus Christ? John MacArthur says God's gift of the Lord Jesus Christ is the basis for Christian giving. So when we give, we give because God gave to us. So we give appreciatively. So here's our last point. Give appreciatively for every believer has received the greatest gift of grace, Jesus Christ. If there's any other motive, it's to give appreciatively. It's to give back to God because He gave us so much. Someone wrote, grace giving should be proportionate as we are recipients of grace. So we should not be grudge-giving because we have to. We should not be duty-giving because we ought to. But we should be grace-giving because we want to and because of what God has done for us. Do you give out of appreciation to the Lord? Is it for thankfulness for all that He has done? Do you give appreciatively? You know, sometimes we could be so cynical, so critical when it comes to giving to the church. We cross our arms, seeing if, well, is the pastor worthy of his salary? Is this church worthy of that? Maybe we'll give. Like you're holding, you know, all that. But I'll tell you, it's not so much about the pastor or about your home church. We give in thanksgiving. We give appreciative. We, we give ultimately because of the ultimate gift of grace that had been given us. When we're tempted to forget or not to give to God, let us remember what Romans 8.32 says. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up, 
for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? We need to be that way too, to freely give. Not so much because the, the, the receiver, like the church or the ministry, is worthy of your money, but for the simple reason that God gave his all when he gave his son to die on the cross for us. So ultimately, each one of us, you know when we give? We give to Jesus. That's who we give to. We give to him. That's the reason. I'll close with this. One day a little girl was given this beautiful doll for her birthday. It was the same one she'd been eyeing in the store for months. And finally the family could afford it and saved up the money and then gave it to the little girl for her birthday. And the doll and the little girl were inseparable. It became, as she says, her favoritest treasure. One day in church, shared the message on how Jesus loved us so much, he gave up so much, he gave us his all. And he left his beautiful home in heaven to come to the earth, die for our sins. She was so moved in her heart. She wished she could give something to Jesus. She didn't have any money. All week long, it was on her mind how much Jesus loved her. So the next time, the next Sunday, to the surprise of her parents, when the offering bag came along, she put that doll inside the bag. Some stared, some chuckled, some thought, how cute, not realizing the sacrifice that it represented. Well, a few days later, the pastor dropped by, and he was kind of feeling bad, you know, seeing the girl's doll in the offering. Uh, he came back with the doll, tucked under his arm, came to their house, and he knocked on the door, and he talked to the girl, and he smiled and told the little girl, we had enough in our offering. So, you know what? I, I brought your doll back. It's okay. Thank you so much for giving her to us, but it's okay. You can take it back. Well, this little girl looked at the doll, looked at the pastor, and then strongly replied, but I didn't give her to you. I gave her to Jesus. That's what it's about, guys. It's not for the show. It's not to get back something one day. She gave totally, abandoned it all to Jesus. Well, I hope you guys can see God's heart here. That when we give, we give like he did. And that is totally giving with grace. Let's pray. God, thank you, Lord. Thank you for your grace. Thank you, Jesus, for loving us so much to die on the cross for our sins. Thank you that you came and rescued us. And as we believed in you and received you in our hearts, Lord, you transformed us, changed us, and you gave us life, Lord, abundant life. You gave us your Holy Spirit. You put us in a relationship with you, and now we have eternal life in heaven, God. And Lord, I thank you for the hope. I thank you for you being in our lives every day. Lord, thank you that you've done all these things for us. And Lord, as we've seen in our chapters here last week and this week, that God, we want to give back to you. We want to give grace, the grace you've given us. We didn't deserve any of this, any of the blessings, any of our, 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 our monies, our jobs, Lord, any, our houses, our cars, anything that we have, Lord, our families. We do not deserve it. But Lord, in your great grace, Lord, you blessed us. Oh, Lord, I'm overwhelmed with that thought. How, how, how could you do that, Lord? Why would you do that? But I feel your love there, God, and I see it. So, Lord, 
let us not hoard it, but let us give it out also. As you have given us grace, let us give out grace, Lord. Let us be giving types of people. Let us not be overly critical and judgmental. Let us not be overly stingy and, and, and selfish, Lord. But let us be unselfish. Let us be grace givers, Lord. No matter what that, that is and what that means, Lord. Let us be like you, giving with grace. Thank you, Jesus, for your love. For you overwhelm us, God. And may you use us to overwhelm others, Lord, with grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand and uh, worship one.